Hello, welcome to Stuff by Kevin Durham, the podcast where I interview comedians, celebrities, and do the occasional sketch, which hopefully you'll find mildly amusing. In this episode, I interview improv legend Colin Mockery. We talk about how he got into improv, how he went on to Whose Line Is It Anyway, his relationship with Ryan, and towards the end, he does on-the-spot hoedowns on Trump, Brexit, and everyone's favourite, Boris Johnson. If you'd like to see the video version of this interview, then you can track down my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Kevin Durham. Now, again, this is something completely new that I didn't know, but you had three auditions and the first two, they didn't go ahead with you. They didn't choose you. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the first time, um, where was I? In Toronto, I was at Second City and they were doing sort of a cross North America audition tour finding improvisers uh they came to our show they loved the show so they auditioned the entire cast um the next morning at uh, I, I believe it was eight in the morning because they had um a flight eight o'clock it's not um prime time for comedy at the best of times but in an audition uh scenario it's a little weird also we were auditioning as a cast. So we were doing that thing you're supposed to do in improv, where you're supporting each other and working as an ensemble. So nobody stood out because we were just making the scene work. And the scene's funny. So, so yeah. you were more, you were more, it was more about you uh, supporting the other people who, who were there rather than trying to make yourself stand out. Is, is that yeah. fair to say? That's what you're, uh, that's the theory behind it. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, and actually, I only had two auditions. This next audition, I was uh, down in Los Angeles. Uh, my wife had written uh, a TV show and was uh, working on that. They came through again. I auditioned. This time, I didn't know anybody. So this time, it was, hey, screw you. Look at me. So there's an important lesson for the kids out there. Don't work well with people. Look after yourself. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way through recently. I don't know exactly uh, exactly what you mean. I was reading up on you, and I read this this line where it said right at the beginning you, you had to pull people out of McDonald's in order to to fill up your gigs. Is is that true? Uh, yeah, because you have to remember when I started improv, it was new. Um, a lot of people didn't know what it was. So um, when Keith Johnstone, this. Uh, a British guy who in Calgary started this thing called theater sports, which started to take over um, the world. It was still a, a fairly new process. So we had to bring people in. We actually did go into the McDonald's next door and say, hey, you've got to see this show where, uh, well, there isn't actually a show. We make it up as we go along. You can understand from the pitch why it would be difficult to get people to see it. But then within a year, it was the, the hot ticket. It was the big cult show. Uh, and it's still going on strong in Vancouver right now, as it is everywhere around the world. Well, well and, and what was it about improv that um, drew you in? And why didn't you go down like a more um, standard stand-up route? I have nothing but the deepest respect for stand-up. Uh, to me, that is the scariest uh, comedic art form. Uh, you're going in with uh, your material, saying to a group of people, I'm about to tell you what I think is really funny. Really hope you're with me, and the audience kind of sits back and goes, "Okay, prove it to us." Uh, with improv, um, they know we have nothing; uh, they give us information, so there's a vested interest that we do well with what they've given us. So we have a little more leeway to suck. Also, when we die, we're going down with people. Uh, stand up, you die alone. 
Huh. Oh, you mean you mean you, you go down as a team if you die? Is that, yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. It's interesting because I I would think, I would think going out there with no material would be a lot scarier than no than than you having like this this kind of learn script, having learned a, a script in a in a routine. That to me that is a lot scarier. Going out with nothing and having to to riff off of what the audience is going to give you. Yeah, it, it really, in some ways, it makes no sense at all. Uh, except, you know, like right now we're improvising. Uh, it's what we do in our life. So there is a comfort level with, okay, I, I can be fairly interesting in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I just have to open up the scope a little bit. It's, um, well, it, it's odd. I mean, a, a lot of times people uh, don't believe that we're actually making it up. Um, I've you know, I, people have said, you know, uh, we saw the, sh we watched uh, Who's Line, we could see you were reading the cue cards. And it's like, really? Uh, my thing always is uh, transcribe one of those scenes and then look at it and try to do it as a sketch. It won't work. It really is one of those things where you had to be there at that moment with that audience, with that suggestion. The thing about improv is you have to do everything that you're not used to doing in real life. The, Two basic rules are listening and accepting people's offers. And, um, you know, when we're teaching improv, uh, that is for new improvisers, the, the hardest thing in the world for them to do is to say yes to something. I, they, they immediately put up uh, roadblocks. So the thing with uh, Ryan and I, um, we're relaxed enough with each other to actually go out with absolutely nothing and trust that it's somehow going to work out. And it's basically just us riffing with each other, listening, accepting, and then building and taking it into whatever direction we decided it goes. Um, it sounds kind of simple. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. When you say it like that, it does. Uh, I wish it was a difficult... Oh, yeah, we cheat. Um, no, it's just... Um, and the hardest thing in the world is to actually walk out on stage with absolutely nothing and trust that at the end of uh, an hour, two hours, you're going to have a show. But, uh, and it takes kind of a long time to have that trust in yourself and with the people you're working with. But once you do it, it's, um, it's great. It's almost, it's just like being an idiot. You're going out, stick idiot. You're just going out with really no basis for this feeling that it's all going to work out. So you just, you're just committed to it, and it. Well, because I was a big fan of Whose Line uh, Is It Anyway, and um, I, I think there was no bad show. I think there was either good shows or brilliant shows, and the ones that were really brilliant were when you and Ryan were on. I, I think yeah, when when there was other lineups, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. But when we, you and Ryan got together, there was something crazy going on. There was some kind of chemistry you guys had. You like some kind of married couple almost you just knew what the other person was going to say you just riffed like you everything you were saying was scripted and, and like you'd worked on it for hours how did you guys get that that level of chemistry uh it was just one of those lucky accidents um i was doing uh, improv down uh, in in vancouver at that point ryan was a stand-up um and I don't think it was really his forte. Uh, mo I mean, he's a funny guy, but most of his material had to do, uh, I think, with Dolly Parton at that point. So that, 
it's pretty specific. And most of his act actually was him just riffing with the audience. He would just start talking to the audience and actually improvising. So a mutual friend uh, got us together and we improvised. And from the very first time, it was just one of those magical, oh, we have, uh, there was just this incredible comfort level. Uh, I immediately trusted him to, uh, you know, if he came up with some idea that was really odd, it was just, okay, well, I'll follow him, see how that works out. Um, and it just sort of built from there. So by the time we worked together on Whose Line, we'd already, uh, by that point, had been working together for like nine years. So there was some, some background before you guys really kind of knew each other before you even walked into the show. Yeah, yeah, we kind of grew up together. So, um, and, you know, when I did my first Whose Line, I kind of sucked. Uh, I totally psyched myself out. Um, my first cast, it was Mike McShane, Tony Slattery and uh, Sandy uh, Toxvic, and uh, all lovely people, all very welcoming. Uh, I met them like an hour before we did the show. So I started to sort of doubt, oh, well, you know, I'm in a different country, even though we have the same language. Will they understand my references? Will we, they get anything? Um, so I, I um, kind of shut down and just didn't really uh, go for it. So I figured, well, that's that was that. Uh, it's this little show anyway in England. Who's going to see it? Um, and then uh, the next year, they were doing. They were shoot. They decided to shoot in New York a couple of episodes. And uh, Ryan at that point was on the show and said, you know, give Colin an, uh, another chance. So they did, and they put me with Ryan, who of course I, I knew very well, and it sort of uh, clicked. And from there, although every year as I came back, they would say, uh, we're going to give you two shows. And then it would work out that I would end up doing the whole season. But um, even, I think, to the last season we did on Britain, they never gave me all the shows. They would always say, well, we'll give you a couple, see how it works out. After the UK version of Who's Line, there was the US version of, of Who's Line, is it anyway? Did you have any preference? Um, it, uh, I, I can't, because, I mean, it was the same uh, production crew, uh, mostly the same cast. Um... So the setup was always the same. Um, you know, in Britain, we had more leeway with, uh, you know, in North America, they were very quick with the censorship. Uh, where in, in Britain, there was nothing. We could do pretty much anything and we were fine. And as a result, I, I, I think we, um, we were quite respectful of that. I mean, there were sometimes you know, there was swearing or inappropriate, but never anything like oh, really over the line. Um, so when we went to uh, North America, there was this sort of period where we were trying to figure out exactly where the line was, because there were some things that were totally inoffensive. Um, I think they bleeped Ryan uh, saying the word hand uh, because it was sort of a uh, masturbation uh, a reference. But they figured, if, well, if we get rid of the word hand, then it'll be fine. Um, anything to do with, with sex that we're really uh, on the lookout for. There was one, um, there was one scene where um, it was a party quirks or something where I was supposed to be in love with Greg. So at one point, I, I kissed him. Um, and this was in the first season of... Um, the North American one, and the censor was in the booth the entire time because, you know, there was no script for them to oversee, uh, so they had to actually be there. So suddenly there was this voice coming out of nowhere going, 
uh, excuse me, can you make something else up? No, what? So your kiss was edited out? Yeah, uh, and in the previous scene, I had killed three women and thrown them out a window. Fine, absolutely fine. Um, now, the, the thing about that was uh, Drew Carey, who was the host at that point, has a real thing about censorship. So for the next 10 minutes, the show was unusable because he would introduce every game using some word that wasn't allowed on television. So after that, they sort of decided um, that the censor would, uh, you know, make notes during the show. Then after the show, she and the producer would go over various um, misdeeds that we did and sort of uh, figure it out. One of the best lines I've ever heard in show business was after one show, our producer walked up to me and went, Colin, Colin, we lost the pussy, but we got two penises. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> why, why do you think America is so hardcore on their censorship? I have no idea. I th you know, I think a, a, a lot of it has to do with the religious um, uh, minority who seem to have a lot of power in America. You know, there's parent groups who watch all the TV shows and will post, don't watch this one because there's sexual content or whatever. Um, it's just, uh, in many ways, it's a very immature uh, society. And, um, you know, when you look across uh, the world, it's, there's much more relaxed attitude towards, you know, uh, uh, sex. But in America, it's still um, naughty. I think it's getting better. Um, but there's just that thing where these people will not let grown-ups make their own choice. Uh, you know, I'm not going to watch, you know, hardcore porn uh, because it really doesn't do anything for me. I do prefer a story. So, uh, you know, I, I believe people should have a choice. If this is disgusting to you, turn it off. Watch something else. No big deal. Um, it's that thing of, well, this is how I feel, so everyone should feel this way. Mm. And it's weird what gets through because I was watching um, an episode of uh, of Feep um, the other day, and Julia Louise Dreyfus said um, she was talking about the Queen. Yeah, she was like, "Yeah, the, the Queen. Yeah, what a." <laughs> I was like, I was watching this with my partner. We were like, "Whoa!" But we were wetting ourselves with laughter. I just, yeah, I, I never really heard the the Queen being called. <laughs> never heard that. No, it's uh, and that's what's great about uh, a cable. That's a, you know an HBO show, which certainly uh, adult situations, adult language, and it's you know great. Um, and it's I think the reason uh, a lot of network uh, shows in America they're they're losing viewers because there is that thing where they're not treating their viewers like adults as opposed to all the cable uh, networks. Just stepping out of the interview for a second. Now towards the end of this one, I got Colin to do some hoedowns for me, like the ones that he does on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Now, in the videos, I kind of cut out the introduction I actually did with Colin, and I did my own intros for the, the, the videos, uh, but it doesn't quite work on this audio track. So I thought I'd just button and let you know, guys know that you're about to hear some hoedowns from Colin, so here they are. London's a great city, it's gone through many horrors. One of them, the biggest, was the mayor who's named Boris. All the things he did would really make me frown, but nothing worse than 20 years of hoedowns. Over 
in America, they have an awful guy. His name is Donald Trump, and his weight goes really high. But if he gets elected, I'll be filled with sorrow. I can only hope that here today, gone tomorrow. They say that Britain's going to leave the EU. Oh, that is horrible. Will people go boo-hoo? It's not too bad. Won't affect my erection. Cause it's not as bad as they leaving One Direction. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please do follow and subscribe to this podcast. You can also check me out on Instagram and TikTok. Just search for my name, Kevin Durham. And you can check out the full interview clip on YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash Kevin Durham. Thanks again and see you next time. Cheers. Bye.